welcome to the podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta, where we are committed to changing lives with faith, hope, and love. We're so glad you are here. Our second reading is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 13, verses 24 to 37. Listen again for the word of the Lord. But in those days, after that suffering, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather the elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Jesus continues, but about that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come. In the evening or at midnight or at cockcrow or at dawn or else he might find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The holidays are here, and with them, the social obligations of the season. There are decorations to hang, gifts to purchase, parties to attend. I started panicking the week of Thanksgiving. Maybe you did as well. There's just so much to be done. Personally, I'm hoping Jesus will take his time this year I'd appreciate a few extra days. But Christmas is coming, whether we like it or not. And the only question is, are you ready? Readiness is on Jesus' mind in our New Testament reading today. The Gospel of Mark is the shortest of all the Gospels with only 16 chapters. That's why it's my favorite. Today, we read from chapter 13, Jesus has arrived to Jerusalem for what will be the final week of his life. Time is ticking and Jesus seems to know it. His earlier miracles and teachings have given way to final urgent words to his closest disciples, Peter and Andrew, James and John. He gathers them close and he tries to answer their questions about what comes next. And he describes a world with war and rumors of war, where nation will rise up against nation, brother against brother, children against their parents, a world of earthquake and famine and suffering and death. Are you feeling hopeful yet? But into these dire circumstances, when all hope seems lost, Jesus assures his disciples that God will show up. God will show up and redeem all things. God will show up and make all things new. 
When will God show up, the disciples ask. Well, Jesus is less clear on that timeline. Nobody knows, he says. Nobody knows the day or hour, not even Jesus. In other words, God is like that dinner guest who arrives an hour early before the food is even out of the oven. Before there are towels in the guest bathroom or trash bags in the trash can, have you ever known someone like that? Someone who shows up so early that you have to entertain them while you're cooking the food. Sometimes God shows up like that. Or maybe God is like that guest who shows up an hour late. After the meal has been served, after the gifts have been opened, maybe even after the guests have gone home. Do you know someone like this? Someone who for their life cannot make it anywhere on time. Nobody knows when God will make his grand entrance, and yet Jesus promises that God will show up. Our job is to be ready. Now, I often think I'm ready for things even when I'm not. In high school, I thought I was ready to take the SATs even though I'd only had four hours of sleep the night before. And you can imagine how that went. I once thought I was ready to ski a double black diamond slope. And the ski patrol almost had to carry me out. Maybe it's overconfidence, maybe it's blind optimism, but I have a habit of overestimating my readiness. And so on Thanksgiving morning, I thought I was ready for the gobble jog. Some of you know about the gobble jog. The annual gobble jog is a road race through downtown Marietta put on by Must Ministries. On Thanksgiving morning, about 40 people from this church participated in the gobble jog. We even had a church team and a t-shirt thanks to Meg Harton. I signed up to run the 5K, that's 3.1 miles. And over the last few months, I've been working up to running 3.1 miles and I've gotten pretty good. I can easily run 3.1 miles on flat ground in good weather. So on race day, when I got down to Marietta Square and found the starting line, I knew I was in trouble because it wasn't 60 degrees outside on Thanksgiving morning. It was freezing cold and I hadn't trained for cold. And then the race began and there were hills. Hills? I hadn't trained for hills. I thought I was ready, but I wasn't nearly as ready as I thought. And that was okay. I wasn't ready for the gobble jog. That was okay. The stakes are low. But what if the stakes were higher? What if, instead of the gobble jog, what if it was the Olympics? If you're an Olympic athlete, you have to be ready. You have to be ready. If you're not ready in time for the Olympics, it could mean the difference between winning a medal or not. Or if you're Michael Phelps, it could be the difference between making history or not. So in the 2008 Summer Olympics in Beijing, Michael Phelps faced his final event, the 200-meter butterfly. 
Some of you probably watched this race. Everyone in the world was watching this race. Michael Phelps was 23 years old and his career, his legacy had come down to this race. If he won, he'd be the first person in history to receive eight medals in a single Olympic Games. So the swimmers lined up. The fastest eight swimmers in the world in this event lined up on their blocks and the buzzer sounded and they all dove in and Michael Phelps goggles filled up with water, which I'm sure is not how he hoped it would go. He couldn't see the lanes, he couldn't see the wall, he couldn't see his competitors, but he also couldn't stop because these are the Olympic finals. You can't stop to dump water out of your goggles. The difference between first and last place in this race was three seconds. And a lesser athlete might not have made it. But Michael Phelps didn't become Michael Phelps by being a lesser athlete. He kept on swimming. When he finished the final lap and finally looked up, he'd won the gold. And not only that, he'd set a new world record. Now, I didn't set any world records at the gobble jog. I didn't even set a personal record. And of course I didn't. I was never going to do my best by only running on flat ground in nice weather. But Michael Phelps was ready that day, wasn't he? He was ready, not because of luck, but because of practice. Because unlike me, Michael Phelps trains in all kinds of conditions. And when the going gets tough, he keeps swimming. He does the thing, even when it's hard. Maybe it's a little dangerous for a pastor to encourage their congregation to be more like Michael Phelps. We've all seen the news. But at least in this one way, I hope we might be more like him. I hope we could bring even a sliver of that discipline into our spiritual lives. If we did, we might be astonished at how God could work through us. What is discipline but doing the thing when it's easy and doing the thing when it's hard? It's doing the thing, whether you're tired and cold, discouraged, when you don't feel like it. So what does it mean to have spiritual discipline? It means you come to worship, even when the sermon doesn't land and the hymns aren't your favorites. It means you take time to read scripture and pray despite the other demands for your attention. It means being kind when you haven't been treated kindly. It means giving other people undeserved grace, not because we feel gracious, but because Jesus has been gracious to us. That's what it means to do the thing when it comes to spiritual discipline. And that kind of discipline leads us to spiritual readiness. Spiritual readiness isn't a product of luck, it's a product of practice. So what does spiritual readiness look like? Well, maybe it looks like a basketball player who's practiced all week long, so in the big game, when the ball comes her way, she doesn't have to wonder how to dribble. 
She doesn't have to work out the mechanics of a layup. She can advance the play because she's ready for it. Or maybe spiritual readiness is like waiting anxiously for the next season of your favorite TV show to drop. See, in the age of Netflix, we don't always get the excitement we used to get, where the TV show would come out once a week and you had to make time for it. But occasionally, we have favorites. Occasionally, we have favorites that we want to watch in real time. And last weekend, I did just that. Because I recently found a TV show called Doctor Who. Are there any fans of Doctor Who? We have some Whovians! This show is a cross between Sherlock Holmes and Star Trek. It's about a doctor, an alien, who travels through space and time to solve mysteries. And Doctor Who is a lot like James Bond. Every few years, the doctor changes up. There's new actors that come in. There's new writers that take the helm. And over the years, there have been 14 doctors. And it's an old show. The first episode aired in 1963 on the BBC, which means that this year, 2023, is the 60th anniversary. And wouldn't you know it, they planned a 60th anniversary special. Three episodes bringing back the best of Doctor Who, the fan-favorite Doctor, the fan-favorite cast members, and the fan-favorite screenwriter. And I thought, I have to see it. I have to see it. And not only did I have to see it, I had to get ready for it. I mean, you can watch an episode of Doctor Who and kind of follow along, but if you don't know the difference between a Dalek and a Cyberman, you're going to get lost really quickly. So there's a whole universe that I had to hurry up and learn so that I could fully appreciate when the specials dropped on November 25th. So I went back and I watched all the episodes and I learned all the plot arcs so that I wouldn't miss a single reference, a single drop of meaning. And when the day came, I kicked my kids out of the TV room. I made a big bowl of popcorn and I sat down at one o'clock, 30 minutes before the show aired, just waiting for it to drop and refreshing that remote control button. And I tell you this, not, not because you should watch Doctor Who though, some of you might like it. But I tell you this because I wonder what my life would be like if I applied the same readiness to my faith. What would our lives be like if we eagerly read this canon to learn all the stories in it? What would our lives be like if we waited anxiously on the edge of our seat every Sunday morning so we wouldn't miss a single word, a single drop of meaning? Maybe that's what Jesus meant when he said we should be ready. Because we never know when God will show up. We only know that God will show up. And God does show up here at First Presbyterian Church of Marietta. If you hang around long enough, you might catch him. I know because I've felt God's presence in our worship. I've heard God's voice through our Sunday school teachers. I've witnessed the love of Christ in our missions and outreach. I've seen the Spirit of God catch fire around the Glover Room table at a session meeting. God shows up in big ways and small ones. God shows up in our Stephen ministry, at our choir practices. 
during group prayers. God shows up in our preschool and in our committee meetings. God shows up on Tuesday nights and Saturday mornings and Thursday afternoons and every day and hour in between. God shows up here, not just here in this building, but here among this congregation. And that's what Christmas is all about, you know? God showing up. It's not about the cards and the decorations, the gifts or the parties. We can get caught up in those things, but that's not really what Christmas is about. When people ask, are you ready for Christmas? They usually mean, have you gotten the gifts yet? Or have you sent out your cards? Or have you decked your halls with boughs of holly? And those things are good. But having the best decorations on the block does not make you ready for Christmas. Christmas is about God showing up in our world. And we need God to show up in our world. Because like Jesus' disciples, we still live in a world with wars and rumors of war, where nation rises up against nation, brother against brother, parent against child, with famine and earthquake, fire and flood. We live in a world full of pain and suffering and grief and loss and hatred and anger and evil of all kinds. We live in a world where our loved ones die. We live in a world where our families are torn apart. We live in a world where the powerless are exploited and the powerful are often not held accountable. So we need God to show up. Our world is crying out for God to show up because only the presence of God can create order in the midst of this chaos and calm in the midst of these storms. So today we light the first candle on the Advent wreath, the candle of hope. And as we light it, we remember our hope, the same hope that Jesus gave his disciples so many years ago, that into a world of darkness and despair, we need not fret or fear, because our God will and does show up. Our God shows up to redeem all things and to make all things new. It's not a question of if, but when. Our God shows up and transforms our world. Our God shows up to transform our lives. May we be ready when he does. Amen. This podcast is a ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta. Come join us Sundays at 189 Church Street, Marietta, Georgia, or visit us online at fpcmarietta.org.